This is Young, Black, and a podcast bringing light to the Black artist experience in Charlotte and beyond. We're your hosts, Bree and Tracy. This is the very first episode of our podcast, Young, Black, and. Ooh, ooh. It's very exciting. I'm we have, excited. We have no clue what we're doing. Absolutely not. <laughs> like, Tracy, I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, well, I'm like, yeah, oh, me, me either. But we've been learning a lot. A whole lot. We have been learning a really <laughs> lot. So we're sitting in your brand new apartment. Brand spanking new apartment. Surrounded by boxes. Junk. <laughs> so much I'm packing to do. Let's talk about how this even came about. Yeah. The way that this came about for me is actually um, a friend of mine, um, and I'll give her a shout out. Her name is Glennis O'Donohue. She started a podcast called The Queen's Catalog. Um, She interviewed me. We met, sat down at a table with all the people talking in the background, and we just chatted, and it was a a lot of fun. And I was like, is it really this (laughs) (laughs) Don't judge me. So I didn't know what it was going to be about, but that's what planted the idea in my head. And Mm -hmm. then when I booked the role in Eclipse, we would be in rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And then the things we would talk about. Everything. We talk about everything. So Eclipse is a cast of five. Well, there's six of us. Yeah. There's six women. This cast has been phenomenal. We Mm -hmm. are like sisters already. And so we were having some really good conversations and we were learning so much about Liberia. And so I was like, I'm going to do a podcast, a behind the scenes podcast about this show. Yeah. But I mentioned it one day at rehearsal. I was like, hey, y'all, think about doing a podcast. And then... Me. <laughs> I was like, really? I want to do it in my very childlike manner. Um, yeah, I've always wanted to do a podcast. Probably close to a year ago, me and my ex were talking about starting a podcast about relationships, and we were going to start a podcast together. But I'm we never actually. I'm still here for I it think too. We should do it. I think we should do it too. So if you're listening to this, sir, just know I'm plugging that in. But anyway. We never had an opportunity to start it. So when you brought it up, I was just like, I'm in. She didn't even ask me. It was more so like, <laughs> I'm doing it whether you say yes or no type of thing. When Tracy was like, yeah, of course. And so yes. we got the mics. We got some equipment. Um, here yeah, we are. The rest is, is history in the making. Right. In the making. Before we move forward, Tracy, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about you, who you are, what you do. Okay, well, I am an actor here in Charlotte. You know, I had a little cubicle desk job type of thing. And I am a mother of many, many children. (laughs) And so before I had children, I had dreams about being a singer, an actor, and a dancer. That's what I wanted to be ever since I was little. But, you know, you you have to put your dreams aside for a little while. You know raise your kids you gotta handle your marriage and take care of your marriage and all that kind of stuff i had some circumstances happen in my life where i started to question why am i making myself stuck it wasn't like i had to be where i was it was like i was i was afraid to dream because Mm -hmm. what if it doesn't come true and it's just more painful to do it that way at least that's what i was thinking but truthfully it was more painful to have a dream and not pursue it because i felt like it was breaking me like it was heavy like Langston Hughes says you know what happens to a dream deferred yeah a dream deferred is an alive thing so when you don't pursue it it does shrivel up like a raisin in the sun you know come you girl you better pray wow (laughs) what I'm trying to get down to is I decided to pursue acting and singing it was something that I'd always wanted to do it so in 2013 I auditioned for a musical and I got cast and it was fun I did Little Shop of Horrors and it was so fun 
it was the best. I loved every second of it. And I was like, why haven't I been doing this all my life? I also looked into doing voiceover. I took started taking voiceover coaching. Gabby Nistico, she has a podcast also too, where she talks about voiceover. She's a great voiceover coach. Started taking acting classes. I call myself a television and film actor with a love for local theater. And you know, right now I'm working with uh, BNS Productions as part of the cast of Eclipse and I'm loving every second of it. And that's how I got to be where I am today. Yeah. What about you? So if you allow my family to tell you, I have been pretty much dramatic since birth. <laughs> it start, literally started from birth. Like my mother went into labor like late October. I think she, it was like October 29th. And she told the doctor, like, no, I don't want my baby to come out on Halloween. So, yeah, my birthday's on Halloween. Okay. So, there's what the, that's where the drama starts. Information. <laughs> that goes to show I never do what I'm told. Honestly, I've been doing any type of performance art since I was itty-bitty. When I was four, my mother put me in dance. So that's the very first thing that I ever did was dance in Buffalo, New York. Then we moved down to North Carolina when I was 11. But right before we moved, I was accepted to the Buffalo Academy for Visual and Performing Arts in Buffalo, New York. Because I was a vocal major. I wanted to be, in my mind, I was going to be a singer. I was going to be the most famous singer in the world. I had dreams and hopes of, you know, being even bigger than what Beyonce is. But... God had another plan. So when I was in the sixth grade, we had a Black History Month program and it was being orchestrated by the theater department. So I was in the music department, but then they had auditions for the Black History Month. I did a poem by Maya Angelou, Ain't That Bad. And I remember the opening line is doing the funky chicken. And like he wanted me to do like the funky chicken. And I felt like that was so stupid at the time. Like mm-hmm. My director was like, okay, either you're going to do it <laughs> or, or you're going to get somebody right, else. Right, you're not going to do and it. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be <laughs> kicked out. And so I went on stage and I was so embarrassed about doing the funky chicken. And I'm like 11 years old. But when I go on stage, there's nothing but like darkness and I can't even see anybody. And I can feel the light. And that was like my first theater moment. And I've been hooked on theater ever since. Went to college, went to Fayetteville State University, the illustrious, where I got a Bachelor's <laughs> of Arts in theater. And then this past May, I graduated with a Master's of Fine Arts in Playwriting. Come on, girl. Yes, I am done with school, y'all. I'm done. You're done for now. I'm, I yeah, hate to break it to I'm you. I'm done for now. You're done for now. PhD is going to happen. I just don't know when. So now I am a theater teacher for Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. And I've been so focused over the last seven years of just writing. I've been doing nothing but writing plays. And I got into screenwriting and I'm writing web series. Currently writing a TV show that I'm creating. And I saw the auditions for um, Eclipse. And I was like, oh, I'm in love with Denai Guerrero. She's about everything that I want to be, you know, as an actor and a playwright. And after not being on the stage for seven years, I was like, nah, I probably don't have it anymore. I probably lost my juice. <laughs> I can't do it. And then it was like, you know, the strong Liberian accent I'm willing to work on. I was like, <laughs> definitely don't have that. <laughs> um, but I decided to audition. And then I was offered a role as an understudy, which I was so excited about this play. Like, even when I auditioned and right before I auditioned, I was like, God, I don't care what capacity I'm in. I just want to work on this production. You're like, I just want to be down. Can I, I just, just be, be down? I just want to be do something. I would even hold, I would be a table if you want me to be a table. <laughs> and I happily took it. Yes, sir. I will gladly take that role. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of where I am right now in life. Cool. An actor and a playwright. 
Well, I'll say writer because I'm definitely doing screenwriting now. Mm -hmm. So we are really excited to introduce you to Dee Abdullah. Yes, Miss Dee. Dee is our director of Eclipse. This first season of Young Black And, we are going to focus on Eclipsed behind the scenes. We're going to also introduce you to Rory Sheriff. He is the producer of uh, Brandy Sheriff Productions, and they are producing Eclipse. You're going to meet the cast. You're going to get a taste of the kind of things that, that we've been doing to be immersed in the culture of Liberia, how we've been working on these accents, trying the to accents. get these accents right. Liberia? Yes. So, but anyway, we're about to meet Dee. We love Dee. Absolutely adore her. We're going to let you in on the life and times of Dee Abdullah. And you'll find out for yourself what an amazing woman she is, yeah. let alone director, and why she is the exact right person to direct this play at this time with this cast. She's amazing. So take a listen. I guess I have always been a storyteller from from very, very young age. Probably safe to say that I've been involved in theater for over 35 years, probably for longer than the two of you have been on the face of this earth. And got really interested in theater when I was in high school. After I graduated high school in New Haven, Connecticut, it was right, really a booming time for all types of arts. And I had joined several different theater companies at that time. One of the theater companies was a company called Distant Voices. And we did the works of African-American women playwrights. And our objective was to bring as many of those works to the public's ear as possible. We traveled primarily in the Northeast, where I'm from, and in New York. And that was very exciting and very fun. And then I became very interested in writing. I worked for the Urban League, and I did a program, eventually directed that program called Teens Helping Teens. And one of the things that I brought to the table was to do a lot of role playing and little scripts to help the students deal with very difficult subject matters and to help parents talk to kids about difficult subject matters. I wrote this play called Cry to Mama. I found that theater was very therapeutic for me at the time, and it really helped to deal with a lot of very complicated emotional issues, and I felt that theater gave a very safe place for your emotions to be expressed and acted out. Uh, my line was always, save the drama for the stage and not for real life. But that started my, my love for writing. It was a way of telling stories and, you know, really um, expressing yourself emotionally. And in writing, you don't always have the opportunity to get your work done by other people, so that got me involved in directing and to see the product all the way through. When Dee's husband was offered a position with UCLA, the couple moved to Los Angeles. Dee sharpened her directing skills doing local theater there. It gave me an opportunity right. while I was there. I just always ended up directing, like for the church that I was involved in. Mm -hmm. I started the theater company there. I directed all the shows. When I was doing community projects, I ended up directing mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. the projects. I found that I had an eye for directing, but it was a great learning experience. I lived in Los Angeles for eight years. Then moved to Iowa. 
which was a very interesting experience. I was working with a young woman named Karen Donaldson at the time, and she was this amazing um, dancer and teacher, and I took my theater, and together we started a theater company called the Ames Few Dance and Theater Company. Ames is a city in Iowa. Ames Few, because there was very few of us. (laughs) Very few brown people. After Iowa, Dee's husband was offered a position here in Charlotte. Once here, Dee put feelers out to get connected with local theater work. There's a gentleman named Mark Woods, and at the time, I just kind of just sent letters out to everyone and said what was going on in the theater community, and he was the only one that really responded to me. And he told me about this gentleman named Ed Gilwhite. He had recently moved to Charlotte as well, and he was teaching comedians how to act and he was interested in starting an acting school. So the two of us met, we really liked each other, and we started a school called Carolina's Actors Studio Theater, CAST. We were interested in helping to develop actors to be professional actors because there was a lot of talent here, and well, we wanted to help them move from an amateur to be able to work as actors. The school grew and began showcasing their students' work. Soon, Off Tryon Theater Company was born. But then, Ed became sick. He um, developed cancer, and, um, which eventually took his life. He was offered a job with Theater Charlotte. He said, well, I'll go to Theater Charlotte if you bring Dee, so I'm not going without her. So we both went over to Theater Charlotte, and we left Off Tryon Theater Company. After Ed died, Michael Simmons, who had come on board previously, took over cast with Dee's blessing. And him and his family, started the cast and the one that you know about now. But eventually, um, my personal life and um, with my kids, it got to a point where doing the theater and the demands of the theater and, you know, really trying to build a theater way just got to be too much. So I kind of left the theater community and just would do little projects here and there until Dr. Corliss Hayes started dragging me back in when she started doing some of these sensoria projects. So I started directing some of her projects and I brought my own piece to it um, called Under the Red Cloak. And then, you know, as she started getting more and more active in doing directing and stuff, um, I started supporting her wherever I could and just sort of getting back in again. So when Corliss was doing Jitney, she told Roy, she says, I want D to do my costumes. First of all, I came from theater when you did everything, and I did do everything. I produced, like I said, direct, wrote, costume, makeup, sweat floors, stage manage, lighting. You just did everything. And when you're starting and developing theater companies and you don't have the budget, you did everything. She knew that um, the kind of look that she wanted the Mm -hmm. quality of the look that she wanted. Mm -hmm. She knew that I could do it, so. Well, it was Corliss again who said, Rory is doing the show Eclipse, and you really need to direct that. So I told him, I kind of put my drop, my little line there telling him that he needs to get you on. And Rory (laughs) really did not, because a lot of people, especially in recent years, do not know my history in the community. People who have been involved in the theater community for a long time know me and know who I am. But newcomers to the theater really do not know me and know my work. So uh, Rory really didn't know, you know, Mm -hmm. my history. Right, so so when Cordless was dropping him, 
you really need to get D to direct this. She invited me to an event that he had at his house. So while I was at the house, she said to him, um, <clears throat> uh, you, you, you need to talk to D. You know, you're trying to get all, all female, you know, directed thing. You really need to talk to D. So I didn't know a lot about the play. So he said, okay, um, well, this is the play. And, and I said, okay, well, I'll do some research on it. And as soon as I did research on it, I said, I have to do it. I have to do it. Because one, this is the kind of work that I feel like my talent shines best through. And plus, the work that I did um, in my own writing really was about female issues and really talking about really heavy, heavy difficult subjects regarding women. Mm -hmm. So it's a subject matter that I'm very comfortable with, I don't shy away from. And Rory was like, you know, this is real heavy material, you know, real <laughs> heavy stuff. I'm like, okay, well, okay. So after I read it, I said, okay, are you interested in me doing it? And he says, yeah, 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 I'm interested in you doing it. And so I said, okay. So I'm very interested in doing it. <laughs> and that, that was it. My objective when I am involved in helping to tell a story, and I see directing as just one aspect of telling that story, is to do as a quote that I heard from Glenn Coles a long time ago, and that is to change the molecules in the air. Mm. And that's what I th see theater is all about. It's about having an experience. And I want you to have a very powerful experience. I want your ex the experience to be deep down in your soul. I want you to come out of that theater having laughed, having cried, having been transformed in some kind of way. That's what I'm hoping for when the audience leave Eclipse. And Eclipse gives all of the material for that to happen. Auditions for Eclipse took place in mid-April, but the show doesn't open until August 22nd. Usually rehearsals for a play or musical are about six to eight weeks, so the process was pretty extended. We asked Dee about that. Understanding the nature of this piece and the level of truth and care that I wanted to bring to this I wanted there to be plenty of time for the actors to be able to truly absorb the material without really stressing them. There's another language they needed to understand. I wanted to be truthful as much as I could be about the culture and the, level, the emotional ranges that the actors need to address and deal with and the subject matter. And because there were so many levels to this piece that I wanted to truthfully bring to the stage, I wanted to give the actors enough time to really be able to absorb the material, be truthful to the material without stressing them out. Mm -hmm. I looked at this like a Shakespeare piece. It's the kind of piece that I didn't want them to to cram for, you know, I didn't want to cram it at the last minute because I felt that that would not bring the, the honesty from them that, you know, that I wanted to see on stage.
In the audition, I wanted to see, one, there's, there's a, everyone call it an it factor, but there is the level of charisma that people just naturally bring. And that you can't teach and you cannot give to anybody. It's either there or it's not there. So I was looking for who did I really want to watch? Who did I want to pay attention to? Who did I want to look at? And I want something that my eye felt, that, or person that I felt my eye was drawn to. Then I was looking at whether I felt the person had the ability to bring the level of depth to these characters. I was looking to see how much strength and personality did I see coming from the person in the audition. Also, I was looking at experience. I didn't want anyone who was who had no experience because I felt that with this level it would be too much work. I didn't want to go to that level. But if I felt that something magical was coming from that person, I would have taken that risk over their experience. And the level of hunger and desire, um, I look for that too. I look for that over the education. And for theater, I think you need a bit of that quality in order to be successful because unlike film, the director has control where that camera goes. If the director wants you to look at just your eye, he can make the camera focus on your eyes so that's all there is on the screen and you're forced to look at that eye. Mm -hmm. But when you're on stage, you have no control of where the audience decide to put their eye. Mm -hmm. And I have seen people on stage who have their, the show stolen from them by someone who says nothing at all because they're just so interesting to watch. They just have that interesting quality about them. What I felt in all of the women that I cast, they even though they, you know, some of them came very prepared and, you know, got the script, studied it before they came, and there were a lot of people who were very hungry to do this piece, and I could see the hunger in some of the women that I didn't choose. But there was, there was a connection or thread of truth that I felt that I was getting from them that I wasn't getting from the others. For this particular piece, for this particular play, the woman that I chose just showed a little bit more of what I felt as a unit that I was looking for. We asked Dee about the power dynamic between her and Rory Sheriff, the producer. Rory and I first time being in this type of situation. He really didn't see me. Rory didn't even have my resume. So like literally, Rory really knew very little about me at that time for what I could bring to the table and what I brought to the table. I tried to structure it in a way that let him know from the beginning that I had a clear vision as to what I was looking for, and I got this. So when he made a suggestion that was different than the direction I wanted to go in, I just basically let him know, I respect you, but absolutely not. I got this. <laughs> Did you get any pushback from him on that? Dee shook her head no. Okay. <laughs> okay, Rory. Yes, woman power. Well, Ms. D, thank you so, so much. Oh, my pleasure. Spending this time with us and doing our first episode. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah.
Young, Black, and Cultured. Young, Black, and Cultured is a segment we use to highlight up-and-coming events and productions of Black artists in Charlotte. Make sure you check out Blood Ties, a staged reading event presented by the Legacy Theatre Production Company, July 21st, 2018 at 7 p.m. at NOTA at 28th Creative Arts Studio, 2424 North Davidson Street, Suite 110, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Tickets available on Eventbrite. guys so if you're looking to support us financially uh, you can check us out at www.patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash young black and 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 is spelled out a-n-d we will love your support thank you that's all for this episode of young black and if you enjoyed this episode, give us five stars and a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Also, follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at youngblack underscore A-N-D underscore. And on Facebook, youngblackand. If you have an upcoming event or you'd like for us to spotlight a Black artist, message us on Facebook or Instagram. Bye!